Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to this week's episode of Acting Inspired. So, this week, I might have gone a bit nuts. No, it's not that bad, but... Basically, the interview that I had this week with Dean Nolan went on for about an hour and a half, and it naturally went on for about an hour and a half, um, and was was such a good laugh that I just decided to let it run. Um, it's a really cool episode. Dean talks about his journey from a kid, naughty school kid in Cornwall all the way up to successful actor that he is now and producer, I guess, artistic director of Trebigan Productions down in Cornwall. Um, Dean's from Cornwall and has very strong roots in Cornwall and continues to create and make work, theatre work, down in Cornwall now, quite often at the Minac Theatre that you've probably all heard of. Um, Dean also talks about his journey through the National Youth Theatre. A lot of you probably know Dean from the National Youth Theatre. He's such a legend within that circle. Um, He gives his advice to actors and tells us about all the work that he's doing at the moment. It's a really good chat. This is the, to, to mark the end of the first month, the super episode of Acting Inspired with Dean Nolan. Enjoy, guys. Please let me know what you think. And, uh... I'll see you on the other side. Peace. Take a trip on the canal if you want to have fun. All right, let's see. I'm just, <laughs> just munching some hummus and, uh, and some parma ham. Oh, all good, Sorry, man. it's the first time I've been on your boat and I had to eat some dinner. No, that's cool, man. Thank you for coming. No worries, man. How are you? I'm really good, yeah. Um, just finished rehearsals. Um, currently working at the Globe at the moment, which is, as a lot of people know, just an incredible place to be working. And we're rehearsing for the Oristaya, Um which is crazy because, again, they come along like buses. There's not been one for... Yeah, so many years, and then suddenly there's <laughs> one that's just got a transfer from the Almeida into the West End. Oh, yeah, that's got a transfer now. It was there. Our one at the Globe, and I think there's another one in Manchester as well. So, yeah. so we're currently rehearsing for that, and um, it's going really well. It's, I mean, I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough old beast, but um, but it's going all right. Cool, um, well, yeah, everything's pretty good. Yeah, sick. Um, so I start all of these podcasts so far. I've started with. Uh, this random question yeah um, which is uh when you were a kid what did you want to be when you grow up that is a uh, it's a really good question oh it, like if i was being absolutely truthful yeah. it was definitely to be a footballer mm-hmm. i'm a big top you're the third person who said oh that. really yeah. yeah and i think it was that thing isn't it? i think there's any i guarantee it's changed now though with kids i bet i bet their answer would be maybe slightly different i think there'd okay. be a bit of a wide i don't know internet maybe. code 
<laughs> yeah, That's like, right. you know, I didn't want to be an astronaut. I said, like, why, why yeah. didn't I? What an idiot. I thought that would have been awesome. That would have been cool. I've always wanted to be a footballer, but then, I don't know, there comes a point, doesn't there, when you start to grow up, <laughs> where you start going, yeah, I'm probably not going not not to make it. And as I was slightly was mentioned, I'm a, I'm a Tottenham Hotspur fan, and I think, yeah, that sort of moment when, and actually, weirdly, for me, because sport was always a massive part of my life, mm-hmm. um, it was... It was that, and then it was kind of case. There was a lot of other sports like rugby and stuff that I probably could have done quite well at. But then I thought about being a PE teacher um, and also a graphic designer. I don't really wow. know. I always just used PE to like... PE teacher and a graphic designer. I know. Designer. <laughs> it was kind so... of odd mix, but that's what I was going to do. Yeah. Weirdly, today being the day that everyone's getting their A-level results, oh, yeah. that was... That was you know, when I was thinking about going to college and I didn't know what I was going to do, and I'll be honest with you, I was do I was making those decisions and I knew they kind of weren't right. I knew, like, I don't know, it didn't fit right. Even though I love my sport and even now, and I, I've always said one of my ambitions and dreams is to run a kids' football team and I will oh, cool. do that one day. Yeah. But it's like, yeah. On I was top like, of everything else. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I know. But it's like, one day I'd love to do that. And But then, I, yeah, so I was going to try and do graphic design and PE and at college didn't really get the grades and um and then then I found out about a thing which I'm sure we'll come on to which I'll tell you about a bit more as a journey but found a, a B-Tech in performing arts which I ended up doing but um cool that's yeah. when things really changed I suppose that's when <laughs> that's <laughs> when you became uh obsessed with acting or got the bug as they say yeah I suppose I mean I don't know do you want me to sort of talk about carry on about how it all started or um yeah yeah let's do it. yeah just yeah, crack on well, yeah the only reason I say it is because so, it was interesting for me because I think what I found fascinating was at school was yeah. the fact that, if I'll be honest, I didn't massively enjoy drama. Um, I found, like a lot, and I was quite a naughty kid, so in fairness, you know, it kind of, you know, me thinking I was going to get kind of special, you know, privileges or to be a part of cat, being in a cast or, you know, doing this, that and the other, I kind of uh, shouldn't have expected that at all. But what it kind always, of naughty shit did you get up to? Well... I w- I think I, the good thing for, with me was I was I was just a naughty mouthy right, 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 yeah. you know silly not s- bad not a bad bad boy and actually I did get in some fights when I first started school <laughs> and then and then was just cheeky and probably slightly the sort of class clown and then I then found myself having a reputation and then would answer back and that was the biggest uh, faux pas of my yeah, life yeah. really because I had that as well. It was just all it's you know it's like it's just that awful thing where you're I hated it when the teacher would look up and just give me those eyes and be like, Miss what are you looking at? It's not me. Like we just get out and then all my mates would always laugh because then like two minutes later you'd hear knock 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 and I'd be like, Miss, can I come back in? Get out and I'm like, Um But then I love school and it's weird because a lot of my mates don't have the same sort of uh, you know, I speak to a lot of friends or, you know, people that we we both know and I, and people would be like oh I don't you know I'd hate the thought of going back to school whereas I would go back in a in a yeah, heartbeat yeah. even though there was times when it was heartbreaking and there was times where I was really put to the point of meltdown because yeah. I was such a sort of social kid and loved being part of all the sports teams and hanging out with my mates obviously being a guy from Cornwall meant that you know we had all this beautiful you know kind of play area if you like yeah, yeah. which just was Cornwall that we got to have so there were a few there was a few times where like I got put on report for a whole term and for people that don't know what that is obviously that's you know basically every lesson you have to get signed off by every teacher so and that's for a whole term of whatever what is that six or eight weeks yeah I think so yeah. um 
I it was, just, that was pretty hard. I had a woman, I used to have a woman who would sit with me in every class. <laughs> oh, God. Mrs. West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll never forget her. I used to have mates that used to have that. Keeping you under control. Oh, God, yeah. Shit. Well, I was, I, I think I was, that was the thing for me. It was just always frustrating because, and actually years after, what was really lovely for me, I had one of those lovely breakthrough kind of, I've had it with all my family really, but certainly with my mum when she came to visit me in London when I first moved up here. And we got really drunk and we cried and we talked <laughs> about the, the past and she told me things about the family that I never knew about. But one of the things she actually did open up to me about was that she said, you know what, we never would have told you then, but some of the stuff that the school were kind of, you know, had reports on you about and uh, complaints were some of the most ridiculous things she's ever seen. You know, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. like Dean laughed in class today. You know, yeah. Dean. You know, Dean was happy. Like, yeah, it, you know, and you sort of go, oh, but actually, like anything, I, I'm quite good at seeing. I could, I could easily be really negative about that and go, oh, the, you know, the bastards. I can't believe they did that. But actually, that that was good for me. I think because yeah. I still got to have my same fun, and that's probably why I'd go back. But actually, I needed somebody to go. All right. <laughs> yeah, 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 you've had some fun now, but don't take the mic, don't take the piss. Like you've gone far enough. So, actually, in some respects, for me, like I was just like, yeah, that that you know, I mean, as I said, a lot of my mates have never visited the school again. Whereas I've gone back and seen the teachers, or seen, in saying that, nearly all the teachers have gone now. But um, I've bumped into them, and and they've always been really pleasant, and they had a bit of banter with me, and I've been able to, you know, they'll always remember you. Well, yeah, I, th- I think so, and it's really nice, and it's also because there are there are a few teachers out there that um, probably did doubt me and probably did kind of go, oh, you're not going to do anything. And I'm not saying that I'm doing necessarily anything now, but I'm doing what I want, you know, wanted yeah. to do. And I kind of go... There you go. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, I see... I, I could, it's, a, it's a tough job being a teacher. Do you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, I don't envy them. And I've got some mates that are doing it now. But, it's yeah, it's a tough old ride. But it was certainly through doing drama at school as I said I was always getting it just wasn't massively interesting me and then obviously being a sort of naughty kid and stuff it was I was trying to I suppose find a sort of slight outlet because I always liked be you know I always loved dancing I always loved you know performing I suppose and I always use the term performing actually even when I talk about now and working because I I do genuinely love performing so I got involved in the local panto which was the Probus Parish Players. Is that a fucking... Yeah, I know, PPP. pre or post BTEC? So that was that was pre, um, uh, pre-BTEC, pre actually. Okay. But I got involved. And that was, again, some mates going, oh, you got to come along and do get involved in the panto in the local oh, village. Cool. And again, I was a bit like, oh, not sure about this. Like, what's this all about? And then I did it and had the best time. And I think... What was brilliant was actually there's something about community and and putting on a show and and actually doing it with next to nothing money. Yeah, everybody supporting it massively, turning out in their sort of droves. I mean, I say droves; it's crazy now when you think of some of the audiences we get to play to, and you know you you're over the moon doing like f- five performances and packing out you know a sort of hundred and fifty seat of village hall yeah, they had their own rake seating they used to put up which wow. used to help yeah but he used to take the guy who engineered it we lived in the village he was a clever engineer but he'd kind of engineered this massive kind of thing that it took literally like half a day to put up oh. it was a beast but it was fantastic that you had this kind of fantastic raked seating so i did it i did i started doing the pantos but actually it was i think the real sort of change for me and the sort of link was there was a teacher called uh, mr walker at school and as I said I was getting in sort of little silly bits of bother and stuff and then 
our DT class was like the naughty kids. Like, yeah, Lonnie, you looked around and you went, oh man, I'm surrounded by just the cool the... stuff to play. Well, it was just, and some of the weirdest kids. I remember one kid oh, right. called. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, so, <laughs> oh, there was. I mean, all my mates were sort of there, but also it was also the other dodgy kids that didn't want yeah, to talk yeah. to anyone and maybe, you know. And there was one kid actually called Matt Chubb. And I remember this was hilarious because one of our teachers uh, was called Mr. Jones. Yeah. And we came in and. I don't know if you remember, but our DT rooms, when you turn the power on, it powers up everything oh, yeah, in the room. You know the what I mean? Yeah, yeah, all yeah. the tools, all your saws. And we came into our lesson, and, and Mr. Jones came in, and he pressed the power button as we all sat down. And this sort of, like, jungly sort of music started coming on. And then we suddenly realised it was Aqua, Dr. Jones. Dr. Jones, Dr. Jones, calling Dr. Jones. Dr. And it started playing. Well, it was this guy, Matt Chubb, who had, like... Like literally, put press play on the recorder so he knew in the perfect place that it would come on. Like this guy was genius, you know what I mean? Like he'd really <laughs> yeah. planned these things out. It wasn't the first and only thing he ever did. A naughty and yeah, he was a naughty genius, and it, and he had pressed it. And anyway, it was it was just one of those brilliant moments that I sort of thought, wow, this guy's really good. But the other teacher that we had for DT um, was called Mr. Walker, yeah. and he came up to me one day, and he was a new teacher at the school, but you could tell he was kind of teacher you didn't want to mess with. You could tell underneath it all, he had a sense of humour, but he, he, he was... You can't, cro- can't, can't push him too can't far. Can't push him too far, but me and him, had, I don't know, there was something where we sort of had a bit of a look and there was something we kind of both... Yeah, kind of like, okay, you're all right, we're all right. And he took me aside and he said, I'll make you a deal. And I said, what? And he said, you, you quite like performing, don't you? I've heard you've been doing sort of your panto and blah, 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 and I know you're doing drama. And I said, yeah, yeah, I am. He said, well, how about... I get you involved in a uh, amateur musical theatre company. We're doing South Pacific this year in the big theatre in Cornwall, the Hall for Cornwall, which a lot of in people Truro. know in Truro, which yeah. is a fantastic theatre, wow. you know, an absolute beast. And um, a lot of the amateur shows they do, you know, they're incredible. Yeah, and their yeah, quality yeah. of the work is really, really good. He said to me, I'll make you a deal. You know, you come along, you know, and be in the show. And, and, and if you want to come and do that, he said, but you've got to promise, you know, you'll sort of behave yourself in my class, you know. And I said, yeah, all right. And 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 to be honest with you, that was a real change. Uh, sort of, it went up a notch there. Because no offence to oh, boats going by. Yeah. I love that on the boat, and there's <laughs> other boats around. Um, I, I was it, that was a real turning point. I think uh, partly as well because I think some of the people I met. Again, I just I love the camaraderie of companies anyway. Yeah. And doing that show, and then I went on to do um, a couple more. And one of the most memorable ones was Barnum, the circus musical. And yeah, yeah. I heard um, you talking about that before. Yeah, and like even being like you know because it's, uh, I'm 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 a big fella as people know, and I always kind of have been in different shape you know forms in the sense of maybe sizes, but I've always been big. Yeah. But I've always loved throwing myself around, and so that we had an old acrobatic routine that I I was allowed to be a part of with these other guys who were amazing, but I was able to do some silly silly sort of splats and clowning and stuff, which and the splits. At that point, I don't know if no. I was able to do the splits. Really? That came at a later date, and it's always a funny question. People go, when did you know you could do the splits? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know the answer to that question. I genuinely don't. But, um, oh. but yeah, so, like, we did, we did... I'm sure the splits will come up again. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure that'll <laughs> happen. Um, it's my signature move. Um, but, yeah, we so we did those shows, and then actually a couple of friends, again, that were people that I knew through my panto, but had done the... You know, this worked. To, they, they were uh, at that time was Restormal Theatre Company, and then also Nuki um, Amateur Operatic Society. And wow. so we did a yeah, we did a couple of shows, 
I did a few with them and, and I had a really good time. And then it was at that point that a couple of my friends, when I was then looking at oh, what do I do afterwards, and I was looking at the A levels of of um, you know doing graphic design or PE, yeah. that my friends had gone to do this place called the Hub Theatre School, which was a place that did a B Tech in performing arts and which was linked with St Austell College. Right. And I was like, what's this all about? And and what was great was my friends had just done that, or they were just partway through the first year but they said to me look Dean it's so practical there's no real theory but you're learning all these different skills and blah 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 and and so I went there for like an open day kind of workshop and oh, I, cool. I just I just knew I just knew when I got there that I just I, I just felt right it just yeah. felt like right and actually what was crazy was when I say it felt right I mean I was what was incredible was I was slightly normal Compared to a lot of the other people around yeah, me, yeah, so yeah. suddenly I was in a situation where and I think for me it was incredible. I got exposed to so many different things in the sense of everything, in the sense of race, your sort of religion, sexuality, you know, drugs, drink, everything. It was it sort of came as a whole package there. Like you got to like, I don't know. I saw things there that I just was like, even though I've you know my family originally from London and I've been back and forth, and so I've always been quite streetwise, but. That was a real eye opener. Do you know what I mean? Experience. Certain things. Experience, yeah. And sometimes, you know, just to observe it rather than even doing it necessarily, I was just, it was kind of nice just to see it all kind of happening and kind of the whole thing with a hub. And sad it doesn't exist anymore because it, it was originally a, a free theatre school oh. in Cornwall. Yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, and it was um, ran, uh, was run and started by Lecoq trained kind of guys. Oh, and wow. Became quite international, so they used to always have some French or Spanish students as well. So, cool. and the teachers were amazing, and uh, you know we were taught in everything from full mask work to acrobatics, to drumming, to singing, to you know hard text work, to doing character work where you'd work as solid module, animal work, and we go to monkey sanctuaries. And is this I your beta? Yeah, and this is what's incredible with your reaction. Horrendous. This is what's amazing, and actually. When I then tried to get into drama school and I auditioned, when I talked about our course, they were so shocked at some of the when I mentioned some of the modules and things we were up to. Yeah, they, they'd, their reaction was exactly like yours. Um, and so I loved it. That was two years full time, and that was it. Then I think at that point I was like, and I have to say actually I've never thought about it. And I, I, I mean he's still a good mate. I haven't spoke to him in a while actually, but he. There was sort of a link which is incredible with one of my mates, Tim Schofield, who actually, in, in fairness, is quite funny because I did mirror him quite a bit in the sense, you know, he went to, he did the panto, he, he was also a part of this musical thing. He was then at the hub, I'm saying, you've got to come and check this place out. And then it was actually him, after doing the hub, and we always finish the hub with you do, again, a, a tour, you know, again, putting your own show That's on amazing. and taking it around village halls and, you know, and, and, and some theatres, actually. We did the Barbican in Plymouth. Oh, cool. Yeah, so, you know. We got, yeah, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Go on up, you janners. Um, <laughs> and uh, it was great. Um, so then, basically, at the end of that, one of my mates, again, he'd got into National Youth Theatre the year before. Yeah. And I was like, what's this NYT thing all about? And I actually yeah. went with him the year that he'd done his course, went up to London, up to Hornchurch in Essex, to stay with a friend because he was like, "Oh, look, they're having a bit of a party, but I got to drive up. Do you mind? Do you want to come? It'll be a laugh." And I and I thought, actually, brilliant. And the plan was that we we were going to go and have a bit of a nice weekend because she had this nice house in Hornchurch, and then go into town into the Lyric Hammersmith, where obviously MIT were based for quite a few years, where they used to do a lot of shows. Yeah. 
and go and watch a production of which was 218 Underground, um, which was a device piece. Um, an MIT production. An MIT show. Yeah. And once again, you know, it was sort of suddenly, obviously, it's, it's a whole other ball game. You're in London, and it's like, wow. But seeing this show, I was just like, this is really. They had a whole rap section in that. Oh, really? And what's hilarious is I can always remember it, which is crazy. It goes something like, "Living in lines blinds me. I can't see abstractly. I want to be free, but I can't be. I feel like I'm." Bo-. And it was it was just like, but it's weird Stop how I remembered you. remembered yeah. that, and I'm like, this is. Anyway, it was brilliant. It was all about the tube line. It was actually two, uh, two, eight, uh, two seconds, um, two point eighteen, two point one eight seconds from King's Cross to Angel. I could be wrong, and some will correct correct me there. But it was, so it was all about the different tubes, like tube lines. Oh, cool. And so they had this sort of little wrapping and link through when they used to go through all the. Anyway, that for me was then suddenly the next thing, which was MIT, really amazing. So. And uh, I talked. I talked long then, didn't I? No, it's good though. Is it's, it good? Yeah, it's great, man. Thanks, it means I don't have to do as much. Uh, <laughs> you lazy shit. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm gonna eat a bit of ham. Sorry eat some ham while I talk. For yeah, two go seconds. on. Yeah, please. Hogging the. Yeah, <laughs> yeah come on. What's um, so when you when you finish the bit, I'm just jumping back a little bit. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. When yeah. you finish the um, BTEC course, mm. um, was drama school something that came in into your mind uh, was an option definitely yeah yeah definitely i mean um do you, yeah so i just carry on from there what do you want to get some hat i already did i realized oh, well, i realized i've also munched most of it oh, right. so i'll have to hit the salmon in a minute hit the salmon. um i want a real health kick um we'll get into that as well there. later Is yeah right? of course yeah i'd love to yeah, yeah i think it's really important yeah cool um so I've completely lost my chain of thought, Lewis. I have um, no idea. Drama school. I was thinking about salmon. Oh yeah, Dra- <laughs> like dra- drama school. Yeah, no, 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 no. It's um, so drama school is a really interesting one for me. Again, I don't know how much it's changed now, but certainly. So when I was doing my BTEC, um, yeah, drama school was definitely on the agenda. Mm-hmm. I thought I knew now. I kind of felt like I know what I want to try and do and want to try and be. So then. Obviously, the automatic thing is we think the avenue is you, you've got to go to drama school to yeah. university. I think that's in your mind at that time. It's like that's that's standard what you do. route. Standard yeah, route. That's that's it. that's it. That's that's what I've got to do. Yeah. What I found very frustrating, and I'm sure it has changed massively now, was that at that time you were really pushed to do your UCAS form. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I realised, oh, not all the drama schools are on here. Yeah. At that point, I don't know if that again that's that may have changed. Yeah. Um, but certainly then it was like selective ones like Manchester Met. Again, nothing wrong with Manchester Met. Fantastic place. I know lots of people have been there. But you know, like so it was Manchester Met. I think maybe Drama Centre was on there. I think Central. Central I maybe, being and on I think there. maybe Birmingham School. Yeah. Speech and Drama. So you know, there was a few on there, but again, a few of the ones that maybe I was looking for. You know, and and, and if I'd be honest, at that point through either friends or just feelings I had was kind of Lambda, Guildhall, or RADA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll be honest, they probably were. And I, I can't really answer why necessarily. Some of them were because I knew people that had been. But... It's, it is weird, though. It's what you hear, isn't it? Yeah. Like, I remember before... I remember when I did my BTEC. Yeah. Um, and I was sort of coming towards the end of it and thinking, what the hell am I going to do now? Yeah, yeah. Um when drama school was something that someone mentioned, it, like I already knew what RADA was before I even before anyone had even told me what it was. Yeah. And, and um, so you have this like pre-created idea about um, these drama schools that you hear about, which is weird yeah. um, because actually I realised um, as I went along that I think it's got a match with you as well. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, you, and you've got to find the right place. So. Um, 
in, in saying that, you know, I know other people that have been really... I remember one girl who's a fantastic actress that, you know, she got into every drama school under yeah. the sun. Like, literally everywhere wanted her. But she only wanted to go to RADA. And actually, no, was it the other way around? Maybe it was Bristol Old Vic, because they, I don't know if they still do, but again, they used to only take on, like, two girls in their full BA course or whatever. Something crazy, That's yeah. it, I think it was Bristol Old Vic, and she waited four years, and every year she got into every drama school across the board. But I suppose, fair play to her that yeah. she had the persistence, and also for the drama school, because I suppose they were turning around and going, this girl really wants this, and she wants to be oh, So here. she wasn't getting into Bristol? Bristol, and she... But she got in. But I'm talking. I'm else. talking everywhere. You know. I'm so right across that's the board. Amazing. Everywhere wanted. People were literally going. No, no. Please come with us. Yeah, um, that's incredible. Because I, I sometimes sit in on the Guildhall auditions. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it's a strange thing because you see, and like it reminds you of how you, you felt and you were at that <laughs> yeah. at that point in time. And um, uh, and I remember thinking, you know, or I I see these kids now, and I think. Oh, what am I trying to say? You'd pick anyone, like most people. I feel like if you audition for five and but you only got into one, yeah, you'd be you'd you be, just grab it. Cause, oh god, yeah, because you, know, you don't think about whether it's right for you. And sometimes that's the biggest thing with it. Like all the trainings I, are yeah. completely different. And I take my hat off to her because yeah, whatever was going on inside of her head, that person's going no. It's not. It's not right. I yeah. want this place. That's real strength. That's some. Control. That's some real strength. And actually, I suppose in some respects, sets you up quite well for what comes Definitely. after. You know, because actually, in that kind of, that kind of rejection, but also because again, yeah, as I said, it, I suppose it's a different weird feeling because she was getting into everywhere else. Yeah. You know? yeah. So it's not like she was getting rejected from everywhere. But she was given. She was like make, able to make a choice. Yeah. With. with off her own back, yeah. really, if you know what I mean. Yeah, which is what's brilliant because then it puts you in a position of power within yourself. Yeah, I'm not talking about like power, like no, 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 taking over the world, but like you know, it 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 is what part of what I discovered when starting this podcast was I as an actor needed something because the industry that I'm involved in mm. is so has so much control over me. Mm. I was like, I need something, and you know, you start getting into this sort of negative dip, and you you get right. Well, I personally got a bit negative and wound myself into this sort of yeah, yeah. pit, and I needed something that I could take control over and I could have power over. Yeah, and that's already has given me like this this underlying confidence, and jobs are coming easier, and like it's it's amazing. So it's that great. that control and that power to have at that time I know at that well, time as well, yeah, it's incredible. But it's and, and and again, I know we're going to talk about it in a bit, and since some of the things that you know I've done to keep my head busy, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right, man. Like those kind of things, the amount of times I talk to people, it's, it's no different. You know, it's something people talk about, and I'm a single man, by the way, just in case anyone out there, hello, yeah, hey, um, is that thing that um. Yeah, I was going to make but a weird thing. But you know, like people say, when you're not looking for someone. Yeah. But I think in some respects, it absolutely happens with with acting and auditions. You know, the amount of times I talk to people and they're either decided that they've uprooted off somewhere or they've decided they want to start a new venture or they've decided almost even sometimes to even turn their back, something's happened because suddenly yeah. they've lifted the weight of overthinking and over worrying. And, and actually, as you said, walking in probably in some respects not caring as much yeah when of course it's what they want to do yeah 
but you're, you've not going with the same. But like, I so want this. You're not I putting so want this. all your chips oh, on that one. Exactly. Thing. And I know lots of people that do it. So no, I think it's, you know, like the fact you're doing this is it's brilliant. And I think, yeah, more power to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's all really good. But and with regards to the drama school thing, I mean, yeah, sorry, yeah. no, that's all right. No, no, I, I just see how I was quite good then. I went nice. straight back in. So good. I'm good at this shit. I've never even done one of these. Um, <laughs> And um, but but the drama school thing was, I mean, so yeah, I started off auditioning through some of those ones for UCAS, and it was an experience. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I think it's me horrible. me as a person, yeah, it kind of was actually. I mean, I kind of enjoyed a couple of them. I mean, weirdly, one of the best ones I enjoyed was suddenly going off and traveling to like Manchester. Yeah, yeah. So going like turn up at like someone like Manchester Met and kind of a bit of a mad workshoppy type day and in different rooms and. Um, I quite like that, and that's kind of things I like anyway. I like it to be. I'd hate all this kind of formal. I remember auditioning for uh, Drama Centre, and I turned up there, and I'd always been told, you know, if there's ushers, ex, um, you know, uh, students, students or, or yeah. students oh, or, right, or current students even, yeah. pick their brains, you yeah. know, because again, because it's about this idea of a feel for a place, you know. And there was this lad there, and it was like a Sunday morning. It was their old place in Chalk Farm. Which I have to say, I walked in. I thought, all right. I know it's probably a listed built, but it was very grotty in there. Do you know what I mean? I was. I'm not going to lie. Like I was a bit like, oh, this is a, this is a bit worn. Do you know what I mean? My dad's a painter and decorator. Like you don't charge that much. You could come and do. But I was just. Uh, so I was looking around. I was thinking, and then so this lad was there, and I said, oh, how's it going, mate? You know, like you enjoying your time here? He went, yeah, it's all right, mate. And I went, sorry, like and he went, yeah, it's all right. I went. Oh, so do you want to elaborate any sort of particular part of the course that you're really enjoying the most? Oh, he went, dude. It's all, you know, it's all pretty, pretty good. So, so suddenly, like this one guy, helpful. I've got this kind of, yeah. I'm like, not only are you not helpful, but also you're not really giving me anything real positive about this place. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sat there, and it was. I'm pretty sure I must have been the first one of the day, and suddenly this buzzer goes off. It's like, <laughs> and I was just like, oh god, it's a bit of an annoying sound, and then. <laughs> He opens this door, and I kid you not, opens the door and goes, Dean Nolan! <laughs> and it was like, like almost like the X Factor man, like, presenting me in such a weird way. And I was like, oh, thanks, mate. And, 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 like, walked through, and then there was, like, nine people on a panel, just literally, their hands on their chins, just staring at me on this long table. But just staring at me, but not giving me anything, like... No, not even a little warm smile as yeah, if to say, man. morning, Sunday, innit? You know, cool, you know. <laughs> and nothing. And there was one chair in front. So I walked over. I looked at them again. I thought, they're not going to say anything to me. So this is slightly awkward. So I went, shall I sit on the chair? Or do you, where do you want me to? And, and, and he looked up. And I can't remember his name, actually. And he, I, for, I'm sure for a lot of people that went to Drama Centre, apparently he was a bit of a legend, this guy. But... Um, because it was, it, was, it was towards his back end of his time at there. Oh, right. Christopher something maybe was cool. But but he just looked up at me and he went, please just set up your staging. And I went, and I was thinking, like, what does he think? I'm going to pull out some kind of set or, like, start getting some flats up. Okay, can we fly this in? Like, I don't know. I was just like, well, get your see, I was like, get your set. To, like, as if, like... So, anyway, I did my first speech. And for the life of me, I can't... Oh, actually, it might have been Davies, actually, from The Caretaker that I did. Which actually, again, I look back and you sort of go, actually, was that an appropriate speech? Probably not, because oh, I was God, a 17-year-old yeah, kid, yeah. you know, suddenly doing, trying to do this sort of old man, you know. Yeah. But um, anyway, I did I did that speech, and then they make, they, like like some drama schools do, make you learn a speech, and I think that one was um, Macbeth from Macbeth, and 
I just I've never asked someone prompt so many times in all my life. Like literally, was just stood there going prompt, 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 and then like we'd do another like prompt. You know, it's just like, and they'd look at me to go, oh, here he goes, he's on a rock prompt, you know. Just nod. Just, yeah, yeah, it's actually, can we just cut the word out now and just get, just yeah. give him a little point or something. But anyway, like, that was, that was, and then actually I remember I walked over to the table and he, uh, his first question to me was, he said, what do your mum and dad do as a profession? Really? Yeah, and, and it threw me for a second and I thought, what an odd thing to ask. Yeah. And obviously, I, my my mum, my mum and dad, like my dad's a painter and decorator. My mum works in a nursing home. You know, I sort of told him, and 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 then obviously, what he went on to say was, you know, what did they think about acting as a profession? And no, so right. he tried to sort of link. Anyway, again, what was fascinating? I'm mean, gonna look. I didn't get any further with that anyway with that audition. <laughs> so it wasn't like, but yeah, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But it was never. It wasn't my kind of place. I didn't yeah. get a feeling. Yeah. There was nothing there that I thought this is where I'd want to be. Whereas I knew other people that um, I bumped into that were on the same day as me that went, oh my god, it's I saw it, and you just think, wow, everyone's different. Everyone. If you had got in, would you have done it? Gone there. Well, it's hard. Do you, it's, do you know yeah, it's hard to say? Time, yeah. I'd never say never because I think, like you were saying, in, in some respects, is one of the things <coughs> which we haven't really covered. Which I haven't said, you know, that the fact that I didn't go to drama school, yeah. you know, so it, it is. I think it's interesting because there was definitely a time, and I was definitely someone. I was eager to go to drama school. Yeah. I really wanted the training. I really thought, especially because obviously, which you know we'll come on to more, was I started to have this small experience of the National Youth Theatre. Yeah. And if that was a glimpse or a piece of what drama school was like, I was like, I want this, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I auditioned for other places, and it got to a point where, um, as you know, the whole sort of NYT thing happened, that I, I did audition for it became apparent to me that, like I mentioned, that it was very much Guild or Lambda and Rada that I was really interested in. Yeah. But for whatever reason, it was Lambda that I really liked and felt like I had an affinity with and actually ended up getting on the waiting list two years in a row. Oh, shit. Yeah. So it was, it was, which was a bit of a shame, but at the same time, you know, it, like anything, I think these things happen for a reason. I'm, I believe yeah. in fate and I believe you create your own journey and your own pathway and I think it, for whatever reason it didn't happen but I, did, I, I suppose again when I look back I didn't I wasn't massively massively gutted in the sense that other things were sort of happening yeah. so it's like it felt like one door might be closed but in a similar way it's like we were talking about that, yeah, that yeah. girl it's like there was other options so MYT was like the Oof. fact that I got into MYT already was like I know I can do this so it was yeah. already like, even if other people are shutting their door, I felt like NYT had kind of opened their arms and gone, "Yeah, man, you're 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 coming for a, a long run with us. You're not just here to, to for a short stint." I don't know. Something something was kind of. I was very lucky that that was like bang. You know? Well, I mean, I I I uh, I don't really know who is listening to this, but um... <laughs> like, like right now, yeah, well, yeah. there's a guy outside actually <laughs> just on his boat. He's listening. He's loving it. <laughs> um, he probably knows you for a mighty. <laughs> he might do actually. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like most people who are listening to this, if they're like actors of our sort of age in London, from around London, or or not even, because I'm I'm not. But I, my first experience of you was National Youth Theatre. Um, I remember being sat down and seeing you, and you were this this dude who, were, who you were 
I think you did like the introductory yeah, well, like, speech when we came in to stay at the the, well, the halls. halls of residence. Yeah. Um, so a lot of people are gonna. I, I'm just gonna talk as if there are millions of people listening. Let's to hope so. Yeah. So it's, um, like it's mega. <laughs> so a lot of people are gonna have known know you from National Youth Theatre. Um, you made such an impact there. I mean, you made an impact on me, and I was there for two weeks, and I didn't really do much else um, apart from a small show later on. But the like. Yeah, tell us about no, MIT. no. Well, that, that no, mate. And he- hearing that, that's mega. Like, do you yeah. know what? It's, it, National Youth Theatre is honest, truly, truly the, one of the most incredible organisations and experiences that I've ever had, and I will always hold so close to my heart. Yeah, almost slightly gets me kind of emotional talking about it actually because I think like when I got into MIT. So again, I was a, I was finishing off my B Tech, had this audition, and was like, oh my god, you know, I'm going to go for this National Youth Theatre thing, and um, the first round I was, was at the Hall for Cornwall in Truro. Yes, that's where mine was. Was it really? Yeah. No way. And um, and actually, a chap who's an actor that people would have seen on Peep Show, actually, Paul Clayton, who I've ended up doing some of her work with actually in recent years. But um, he auditioned me. I remember he was in a white suit, and he's this kind of people that know Paul Clayton is very sort of, um, you know, very well spoken, sort of quite harsh gentleman. But he's a, he's a, he's a lovely man. Anyway. As it goes, that obviously went okay because I got a recall, and because it was very different back then, and it was a smaller, it was a very, it was a smaller company, you know. Yeah. And uh, and then I went to Bristol for my recall, and that was in front of Ed Wilson, the late great Ed Wilson, who passed away some years ago, who, were, you know, a massively special man to me, um, for several different reasons, which I'll come to actually. But I auditioned for him, and and I think weirdly, um, again, which we'll come on to at some point about, was the speech I did was actually playing bottom um, in A Midsummer Night's Dream. F- to get into MIT? To get into MIT, I think it was, yeah. I think like I had the Davies one maybe up my sleeve as well, but I'm pretty sure at that point, actually, that it was, yeah, when my cue comes, call me and I will answer, you know, waking up from the dream, um, was the speech I sort of chose. And very much I rooted him in Cornwall, which is, for people that know me, is kind of so many jobs that I've done now has been yeah. a, a sort of weird thing that people seem to enjoy and directors kind of go, yeah, you know, turn it on. It works, man. Well, it's, it's funny, isn't it? Because even talking to you now, it's like I know there's certain twangs and people yeah. pick it out, but actually I speak with a fairly neutral accent, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so MIT, and then when I got the... And actually what was really lovely was me and my mate had both auditioned that were at the hub together. Oh, cool. And we both got in, <laughs> which was such an amazing feeling. And it was a big deal in Cornwall. I mean... That's the other thing, you know. They did. They ran an article on it. It was. It was a big deal, you know. Oh, what about you and your mate? Getting international youth. Yeah, it, was, it was a big old thing, Matt. Like you know, and I'm sure when I speak to other people, they had the same kind of things going on in different regions around the country. Yeah. And then, yeah, MIT man changed everything. So I, I only did the course back then. The course was three weeks long. Jesus. Yeah. So it was three weeks long. And they used to the Tufnell Park halls of residence were just utter carnage. <laughs> But again, the best three weeks of my life, you know, yeah. like, and I, my, my course director was someone called Kathy Owen, who, again, it's great. And actually, we're, we're friends now, and I've seen her, you know, in recent times, which is amazing. And But, like, I remember we, we probably clashed when we first started. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, you know, like, she was... Uh, in the, When I say clashed, again, it was that no different to what I'd had in the past experience of... Authority. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably a little bit of that, Get you know, because she is quite a powerful individual. And an, and, a, and an amazing, aspiring woman, actually. But kind of, I think I was just being my naughty self. I know I, I, I'm quite lucky that I knew I could kind of do the work, but I was like, I was larking about and whatnot. But then Kathy 
we just found a moment where we just again we were just like bang we we get each other and and you know that was it and I met some amazing people and and weirdly a few people I mean one of them being actually who's at the Globe at the moment who I had, I hadn't seen since my course was wow. was Goo Goo and I'm going to pronounce the surname completely wrong and sound terrible but I want to say like Mababa Raw or something like that I'm it's, I'm sorry I apologise for that like completely wrong we'll do it again at the end and I'll cut it. Okay. <laughs> But 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 basically, Gugu anyway. Like she, um, she's been doing some massive films and you know whatnot at the moment. And it was really lovely because again, as you said, that NYT connection. I saw her the other night at a press night at the Globe, and that was really nice. But going back to it, I did, you know, we did the course and um, we do a presentation, and again in front of Ed Wilson, and that was a really daunting prospect. The artistic director of the company and all the productions actually, and I was really lucky. Some of the, some of the guys that I met. In a weird way, actually, more so that were involved in the productions, who then were involved in shows that I went and did, became you know friends for life and people I still see now. Uh, you know, I'm still in contact with a couple of people from my course, and I know people that it kind of automatically happens, and certainly even people from other courses that year we ended up working together or seeing them elsewhere, or. Um, but certainly, um, yeah, a lot of the guys that were in production, I was just like, I want to be you guys. You know? yeah, yeah. So they they had done their course. They were now performing at the Lyric Hammersmith or the Bloomsbury Theatre or the, you know, wherever, go and take it into Edinburgh or whatever. They were doing these amazing things. I was like, I want a piece of this. Yeah. I had a taster of just doing the course, you know, working with, again, we had different practitioners and people coming in. So I did the course and I, I went back home and I just thought, oh, wow, this this has really rocked my world. I know, This is it now. I, I know what I want. And the next year, they were then the castings came through to do Nicholas Nickleby, and again one show I'll never ever forget, and that was at the Lyric Hammersmith. And obviously, for people that know Nickleby and any kind of Dickens things, it's just brilliant. There's so many characters involved, yeah, yeah. and that was Ed Wilson directing, um, and that was a real absolute game changer in the sense of my mates, that those people I spent because that's a long summer. Because again, if people that know Nickleby, we I mean we had it cut down to six and a half hours long. Jesus. The original RSC one in 1980, I think, was eight and a half hours, and it was in two parts. So um, and we were lucky. We had David Edgar, the original guy who adapted that, because he knew Ed Wilson. Um, like he did the adaptation for the RSC in 1980. He then came in and like kind of messed around with our scenes and kind of cut it together so that we kind of lost some other characters that didn't affect the story. A good guidance. Yeah. And uh, and it was amazing. You know, like, and and again, Mates for Life, an incredible production to be a part of. One that I was really like, I was just looking up at these other guys that were playing the lead roles, just thinking, wow. Like, you know, because I, I was, I mean, I had some nice little parts, but... Watching those guys was really kind of like wow, they because and and most of them had done a stint at MYT, and for a lot of them it was their last bit of MYT. Do you know what I mean? Because uh, as people know, uh, it's changed probably slightly now, but it, back then it was kind of between the ages of thirteen to twenty-one. All right. So they usually did the junior courses, or the senior courses, yeah. and obviously people, and it was up to twenty-one or in full-time education, which I think they still kind of do. Um, so sometimes in the cast, you know, would be people that were 23 right, or 25, right. yeah, you know, depending on if they were at drama school or university. Yeah. But so we did we did that show. That was amazing. And I was very fortunate that I carried on and ended up doing about five years. So like every summer, that was like my retreat. You know, that was the place. It was sort of and I was very fortunate, especially Ed Wilson. Um, I did his last three shows, actually. And, and he was always hilarious because he um, 
he always turned around to me and said, he used to say, you know, Dean, you're not the best actor in the world, <laughs> but I'd have you in any company. And I took that as probably one of the biggest compliments everyone's ever said because I thought, do you know what? I'm I'm happy with that. Yeah. Because that's one of the reasons I do this is I love the, the idea of company. I love the fun. I love making. I love the you know the sort of creativity of it all. And and so that was amazing. And, and we went on to do Fretney Opera, uh, Murder in the Cathedral, and then the last one with uh, John Hogarth, who directed, was was Master yeah. and Margarita. Um, which was another mega one, and and that was back at the Lyric Hammersmith, um, which was which was again was a mad show for people that know it, um, but um, also just again a, a brilliant company and a kind of that was kind of my last NYT show. But I mean, in between that, I'd always got involved in everything. Yeah. So because I made a decision, so once I'd done Nickleby and we then I'd done that season, so we were there for about ten weeks, you know, the summer. Jeez. It was a long, yeah, it was a long old stint. And then we then knew it was going to go to Manchester, to the Lowry. And at that point, so I got into Youth Theatre when I was 17. So at that point I was 18. And I just thought, I need to be in London. Like I need, you know, I want to pursue acting. Uh, at that point, again, you know, I was still thinking about auditioning for drama school. But I just, I thought I need to be in the thick of it. I need to experience this. Yeah. My mates in Cornwall going, are you mad? You're going to London at 18 years of age, like with nothing. Like you're just going to go to London. I'm like, yeah, I've got to do it. And they're like, and obviously for them, I suppose what they didn't get was the fact that I was streetwise and that I did have family. So yeah. I went instead on my nan's couch um, <laughs> for like two or three months. And then my mum and dad said, look, we're not going to fork out any money. You know, you've got to make your own way yeah. uh, to do this. So I worked for WH Smiths Sick. in Truro in Cornwall oh, yeah. and, and got a transfer to, to a store in London. And again, I've always had these funny moments that have happened to me through my life where I've just met somebody that you kind of go... You've, for whatever reason, they've seen some good in me, or we've seen good in each other, maybe, and they've kind of gone. Do you know what? I want you to come on this ride, and and he was brilliant. I mean, like he, so not only did he give me a good job and and start really pushing me up the sort of W H Smith ladder, actually. So before I knew it, that was kind of started becoming a bit of a priority. But he also went. Do you know they have flats that you know because when they bought these freeholds, they bought the whole unit thing. So you know, that they had flats above the shops. And so I, I had this flat in Muswell Hill for quite a few years and I was paying what? like £145 a month, all bills in. What? It was mental. And it was right on Muswell Hill Broadway, overlooking London, because it was the top yeah, yeah, floor yeah. flat. The window overlooked the whole of London. Dude. It was, it was, it was, re- I was really lucky. I mean, you know, it wasn't, it was a pretty shabby place. <laughs> yeah. But Doesn't for that matter, kind of it? money yeah. and being in Muswell Hill, blah, 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 it was brilliant. And, um, so yeah, and then, and then so when I got to the end of that stint with youth theatre though, um, because because when because when I got up there in London actually, I want to quickly tell this story because it's always yeah, poignant to me was that um, because when I'd moved up there and and I'd made that decision and and NYT had been very good to me and I was doing more and more work with them and the point I was making was I made myself as available to them as possible. Do you know what I mean? So like if they needed people to literally push, you know. Uh, uh, you know, push kind of stuff into letters and and kind of do all that kind of stuff. I was, I'd do it. I'd, I'd, I'd just help out where I could, um, because I just thought I want to be a part of it. And obviously, the knock on with that is they're going, oh, this guy's eager. He wants to get involved. And there was other exciting things that we'd do and galas and presentations and, and you know some real fun evenings. You know, yeah, but then um, 
the whole WH Smiths things got slightly out of hand, and I was suddenly, <laughs> suddenly I was like supervising stores in Oxford Street and managing even duty managing stores in Elephant and Castle and Fleet Jesus Street, and Christ. and they were really keen on what I was doing, and I always took pride in what I did yeah. when it came to work was, and I did I do enjoy retail and I enjoy customer service, which again I know a lot of people go what, but I I do and I still do, you know, and I've always enjoyed bar work, you know, and that. And basically, it got to a point where I just thought, wow, this is really taken over. And to the point where the regional manager and um, the area manager um, cornered me in the books department in Oxford Street in the plaza, if anyone's been in, in that store. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and he came up to me and said, you know, Dean, me and Richard, um, you know, we, we could have been actors. But look at us now. You know, he said, you know, 10 years time, this could be you, you know. And I just, I just thought at that moment, I just thought, shit. even though, yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, slightly shit, I'm not going to lie to you. It's one of those things, you know, there's those moments where you think we're talking about, you know, actually I could be sat here talking to you about me being an area manager or being in a very secure yeah. job with a big salary, yeah. nice car, home, probably kids and family, but I wouldn't, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing again, that that decision and something that happens. I, I really remember that moment. It's yeah. like a real turning point, turning point at a moment of like, Oh, okay. I need to sort out what's going on because I was, I was having to work obviously for a WH Smith's in between. I was auditioning for drama school. I was going through the stage. I had that thing called PCR. I was going through everything to try and audition and find little nooks and crannies. I mean, I did some of the weirdest um, things. I did one as well, which I've got to say, because hopefully you're allowed to air this kind of stuff. But yeah, basically, yeah. I did. Um, I went to Thorpe Park as part of their Halloween season. I don't know if I've ever told you this. No, you haven't. But. Um, they're a thing called Fright Nights. Yeah. It was scare actors and stuff. Yeah. So basically, but you have to audition, right? And it's yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I do it at Madame Tussauds. Did, really? Yeah. Oh, well, there you go, right? So basically, this Fright Nights thing, <laughs> turn up for this audition, I have to go all the way out to, which I thought, again, I thought Staines, being a lad from Cornwall, yeah. uh, other than Ali G talking about it, I thought it was a fake place. <laughs> I thought there, there can't be a place called Staines. I was like, the Staines massive, that can't be real. <laughs> anyway, so I turn up there because that's the best way to get to Fort Park. And, yeah. Um, Anyway, I turn up for this audition, and it's one of the most horrendous things I've ever been a part of. And there was about six of us in a room. And he's like massive marquee, actually, at Fort Park. And and we stood there, and they did a little spiel. And then they were like, okay, and when you're ready, each of you are just going to try and scare us. And it's like, this is the oddest, like weirdest, strangest thing I've ever seen. And luckily, I was about fourth or fifth in, so I could kind of see what the other guys Still got up to. Do you know what I mean? I was like, oh, wow, what, yeah, what yeah, are yeah. they going to pull out? And obviously, there was a classic one where, like, you know, one guy just started screaming and collapsed on the floor, and then some other guy was running around going, like, waving his arms and legs. And I was like, oh, my God. And then I just thought, do you know what? sometimes the best thing is stillness do you know what I mean yeah. so I just stood there and just stared them out for ages then, yeah, like man. to the most point where they were really uncomfortable and then I sort of lunged to them but anyway I'm not even saying that that was good because what was amazing about that was that everybody got the job and when we turned yeah. up there it was like see you later you know it was a I thought they're having a bit of a, a, you know a giggle here because everybody I saw and there was about 30 40 people and we arrived there on this day and there were in two sections. There was the 3D Freak Show, which is a lot lighter. And then there was what they called the Freezer. And it was like this freaking strobe, nutty strobe hitting axe. I mean, it was, it was, it was it mad. It gets crazy there, It man. was crazy, yeah. yeah. And it gets quite aggressive and yeah, yeah, nasty. Yeah. Anyway, we're in this circle. And honestly, this this still makes me chuckle, like, thinking about it now. So we're going around. And it was that classic thing, you know, and we've all done it in a lot of drama, 
workshops and groups and stuff where you have to introduce yourselves and say things that you like yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know or you know and this and the other and you know so we started off and there was a girl and she's like hi my name's Tina and I like tuna and and you know so oh hi you know hi Tina and um, so it came around to me and I was like oh hi yeah I'm Dean I'm from Cornwall I like a good Cornish pasty you know <laughs> that was funny and, uh, and um, so like we're going round anyway lo and behold you know and it was all very light and lovely there was this chap and I remember him sat there and he he, he, he just looked disinterested he looked tired he looked like he just cut he like hadn't slept basically yeah. and it came round to this guy and he just gently looked up and went Hi, my name's Derek, and I had a dildo up my bum last night. <laughs> and I kid you not, I kid you not, literally deadpan, literally just went, Hi, my name's Derek, I had a dildo up my bum last night. And I literally lost my shit, like absolutely lost my shit. And I turned to a girl next to me like, oh, and she literally gave me, devil eyes was really unimpressed. And there was a few people that didn't find it funny. Really? Yeah, not, they, were, not it was really inab- they were just... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it was Tina oh, Tuna. No. She was not feeling the deal dropper's <laughs> bum. And uh, anyway, what was incredible was so this kind of moment happened, and it was this weird sort of, sort of I don't know, like tumbleweed come laugh come awkwardness in the room. But I was in, I mean, I was in fits. I'd lost my shit. I was this guy, and I thought I need to know this guy. This yeah, guy yeah. is hilarious. And I, because I thought, oh, he's obviously said it for comic reasons. Yeah, fair yeah, play. Yeah. So we broke up and had a quick mid-morning break after all that. And I went over to him and said, hey, Derek. I said, so it was sort of a bit of a gag, like, you know, about the deal dot your bum. And he went, nah, mate. Last night I went out, got absolutely trashed. And I woke up in the morning and basically my mates had put a deal dot my bum and I just passed out. And I woke up with it in my bum. I was, and I was just like, this guy, Derek, is an absolute... So it was a true story, bless him. He'd woke up with a dildo in his really? bum. I was just like, mate, that is unreal. And actually, he was he was quite a funny character. He was quite good, actually. That's abuse. All these, essentially, that's abuse, but it was his mates. Yeah, so, so, you know. Anything goes. Um, anyway, I've got on, gone off on a massive tangent. Uh, I know, we've nearly done a work. bloody hour, and we haven't even talked about Trebigan. Are you joking me, really? Yeah. I see what I mean. That's why I get it's carried great. away. But I suppose what I want to get him back to National Youth Theatre, yes. actually, because it was all those links in between. Between, but I suppose I can quickly tie up is NYT uh, I was very lucky that when as you were saying about knowing people so from yeah. all the productions and stuff I was involved in they always were keen on me <laughs> for whatever reason whether being a big fellow and loving to talk as I've done today <laughs> um, or whatever I was able to be a warden so like in the sense of I used to kind of in the halls of residence ah, right. I was the guy that kind of calmed anything down or uh, I had to tell people to you know behave, or which was hilarious because I was always the last one at the bar. Yeah, I was gonna say. But I've always been quite lucky that no one would ever see me. Uh, and like, I have a, I can put it away and I love a drink, but you'd never see me paralytic. You'd never see me in, out of control, really. Yeah. Um, and and not that I do it purposely. I'm not. Um, yeah, it's just it's just me. Yeah. But they put me in those kind of positions. So when I finished my time at NYT, I was really lucky that they got me involved in company managing. Um, and working in the office, you know, so that became my job for a while. Wow! And it was brilliant because obviously that because they had other actors that worked there, they allowed us to go off for auditions and and whatnot. But um, 
still to this day, like, you know, so MIT and like you saying, it's incredible for me because of that and because I've worked on courses and 10 years on, I went to direct a course and I've directed two or three courses. That was a massive dream of mine. Yeah. Um, and I learned a lot, you know, I really did and, and, and still am learning a lot and I enjoy doing workshops and, and teaching, but I, I feel like I'm still learning. So that's been incredible in itself. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, my MIT still now, so I still get involved in doing the auditions, which I love. So yeah. I get to meet a lot of the new intake. Um, actually, in a couple of weeks' time, they're getting me involved in it in, oh, a, cool, in the man. talk and stuff. And so I'm always, and I'm actually mentoring one of the MIT rep company, a guy called Connor, uh, Connor Neves, who's so the rep company are doing three shows at the Ambassadors. So I urge anyone to get down there and see that as yeah. well you know the free shows they do because a real great thing this idea where's that the ambassadors in town so it's yeah. where stomp is okay um so they take it over for a when? period of time i think it's from i'm pretty sure from the end of october or november goes right through till the uh, part of december i'm pretty sure cool man but yeah look out for those myt rep shows but yeah a special place in my heart and i still do stuff with them and and quite an incredible organization yeah amazing man and i i think I think it's become clear to me that what has potentially made you so uh, inspiring. Um, Thanks, Lou. That's all right. Um, is that you haven't had this idea of an actor and what an actor is and rehearsing for a show with a director. You, you know, I mean, you, you have had those things, but I think, I feel like sometimes when you go to drama school, you. you and not everyone, and I, I can only speak from my own experience, but you have this idea that you're an actor, there's a director, there's a writer, they've written the play, you've got the play, the director tells you where to do, and you mm. do the work you do, and as an actor, on your voice and your physicality and all of that stuff. And But you've had, you've had such... Uh, um, with MYT and the creative kind of family that's involved in that and getting involved and... Um, you know, working your way up the ladder of WH Smiths and seeing all these different angles, yeah, 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 has fulfilled you. Which brings me on to my next thing, which mm. is so, uh, another amazing thing that that you do, mm. which is uh, Trebigan. Yeah, uh, and actually, I just quickly just want to rewind slightly what you yeah, said there, which is really interesting as well. Is that I think one of the mega things, and it links into the Trebigan and and and, and before that, is that being from Cornwall, um, I was surrounded by theatre companies like Knee High, who we now know are a massive yeah. global company. Who you've worked with. Who I've very, very fortunately have, yeah. And, and, and you know, absolutely adore those those guys. But, you know, people forget, you know, companies like that, they started started absolutely grassroots. I mean, yeah. the whole idea of, of, of Knee High was Knee High to a Grasshopper. That was the idea of the name. Yeah. It was a kids' theatre company that was touring our schools. It was doing outdoor theatre and so to see how they've evolved, and I grew up in Cornwall with theatre companies like Knee High, like Miracle Theatre. Um, uh, of course, the other one I'm trying to think of now um, from Cornwall, Footspan, who were massive in the southwest. I mean, they were before Knee High actually. Who now they're either based in France or Spain. It's one of the two, but they become very international. But they're usually in a big top, and I think they did a couple of years ago one floor of the Cuckoo's Nest, but. So I was always surrounded by this idea of, of creating your own work yeah. and kind of getting off your bum and, and doing it yeah. rather than keep talking about it. And and don't get me wrong, I love you know being in those situations, even like now when you're working in places like the Globe where 
you know, as you said, it's about the text and it's about, you know, that you've got designers for this, you've got, you know, you've got the movement directors, this, you've got, whereas in a lot of those companies and the work that I've created, you know, you, you, you have to come up, you have to play. Yeah, yeah You've yeah. got to come up with stuff and offers and it's not about the standing there and being told where to stand and, and learn yeah, your yeah. lines. So... Yeah, just to clarify, that's not what I think. Acting no, is. <laughs> no, absolutely. He, he, but yeah, as, I, as do I, and, and actually, there's there's actors that don't need to do. It. And I think again, that's I knew I was always that type of actor, I suppose, yeah. as well. Do you know what I mean? That I love working physically. I love I love being in a creative pool of people that allow you to go. What have you got? Throw this in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've always nicked this from Emma Rice. Who, you know, as people know, is going to be taking over the, the globe soon. She always uses this great phrase, which is, what have you got for free? Yeah. Um, and it's incredible when I talk to a lot of young actors and sometimes they get really afraid of telling you that they're actually an incredible pianist or, or they're an, an incredible at doing, you know... Someone, it was, who did we meet recently who we found out was incredible at doing... Um, like, she was an incredible majorette. I'm like, that's brilliant. Like, you know, and this other girl at an audition said she was brilliant at the pogo stick. So I was like, that's Sick. that's brilliant. Yeah. I, met, I love that. You know, like, if you, whatever skills you've got is incredible. And I know certainly what we're talking about someone like Emma, what's brilliant is she will absolutely grab onto those skills and go, okay, you've got this. You can play the trumpet. You can, you know, you're a rapper. You're, you yeah. know, whatever it is, it's like they will grab onto those things and, and, and I think you've got to be. So what I suppose what I'm trying to say is is that be prepared to embrace what you've got, and that that isn't just about skills. That's about appearance. It's about you. You know, understanding what is your brand. What is what have you got to offer? Do you know what I mean? And yeah, man. and that, and, and that they were always important things that I kind of always wanted to try and bring to the sort of table. And when I was in London and was kind of getting work you know like things were happening i suppose more than anything i was working kind of like my first kind of job was we were talking about before was a commercial actually oh yeah but then i went and played baloo in the jungle book at warwick Arts center that was a massive tick off baloo done nice had to do the bear one day (laughs) and um and then i was like you know then then i actually did joseph and the amazing technical dream coat for six months which i never thought i was gonna be doing like musical theater yeah yeah but then suddenly the, the moment happened, the, the the classic sort of slump. You know, it just went it just went dead. You yeah. know, uh, I, I thought it was easy. I literally it was like my it was like my first th- three or four auditions I'd got pretty much. I was like, oh, this is a piece of piss. <laughs> then it started to go quiet, and I thought, okay. And I've always, again, you know, and I mean, bless you, you've said before, but I've always been quite positive. I've always been quite grounded and kind of gone, okay, got on with it, you know, and just yeah. kind of gone. I know this is what I'm doing, so I need to be prepared for this. So I've always worked. And I'd always pop back to Cornwall because obviously at this point I've been living in London and I actually met a guy um, uh, called Alan Kent who was a writer that lived in my village and we were having a few pints. I think it might have even been Boxing Day one year. And uh, he said, you know, you should have a read of some of my poetry and, you know, also I have written a couple of things and blah, blah, blah. So interesting, interesting, you know, but I was kind of passing it off, you know, having a few more drinks. Yeah, yeah. But then he he then suddenly planted this seed and said, there's this character called Anthony Payne, the Cornish giant. You know, we should put on a one-man show and you should play him. You could, you know, you, I think you could do it. And that was where it first started. And obviously, before Trebigan, it was Bish Bash Bosh. Yeah, this is Dean's theatre company. Yeah, and and that was that was. Sorry, go on, Lou. No, I just wanted I just wanted to clarify that. Yeah, and 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 I mean, and obviously I have to be kind of careful what I say about this now because sadly. 
So, so I mean, what was fantastic was we created some incredible work and we started the first show and it was this bish bash bosh and it was kind of very much me and alan working together and we always said that we kind of root our stories and the kind of stuff in cornish history and cornish heritage yeah so and it was such a learning curve like i loved it i mean our, our first show we had no money we toured it to working man's clubs to village halls to some small theaters I was very fortunate, again, because of the link with MIT. At that point, they'd moved to the Soho Theatre and they let me have the Soho studio oh, for one sick. night. And I came in to London to do like one performance, which is one of the scariest of my life, which my current, uh, my current, my ex-ex-girlfriend, bless her, was so supportive because I was so uh, crapping myself. And all my MIT mates, everyone came to see because I was the only two yeah. to see it. And it was a kind of weird show because it was really silly and playful and, and lovely, but... Because it was solid, it was an hour of just me and it was solid dialogue. Like, wow. It wasn't like one of those one man or one woman shows where you're watching them be. Or, you know, yeah, there's like yeah, 10 yeah. minutes of just <laughs> watching them eat a sandwich. Rolling it's like, oh, this is really deep. Yeah. This was just dialogue, dialogue, dialogue about this incredible man who lived. You know, this guy, Anthony Payne, fought in the British Civil War and was a sheer giant of a man. In, in real, he was seven foot four and 38 stone. And that's true. You know. Jesus. He was, he was a, you know, a real, like, you know, a real giant. You yeah, know, in, this, yeah, yeah. In, the real, in the real sense. Anyway, that it was just an incredible time to be able to sort of be involved in creating my own work, producing it, speaking to venues, like trying to get people to buy into the fact that I've got something I show that you're going to really, really like, and I think people in Cornwall are going to really like. And at that point, it was all about Cornwall, and it was all really that was what it's kind of for. But that went so well and the feedback was so good that then we did another show which was based on a character called Joseph Emmerdy, who some people will know through Black History Month because every year they usually uh, talk about him in October. Um, and he was this incredible African slave who went across all these different slave ships across the, across the globe. But at one point along the journey had got forced to play the violin by one of the sort of captains or one of the hierarchy. And... Um, he ended up sort of almost teaching himself and became incredibly good and started to understand music and, and read music and start to compose himself. Wow. But of all places, he lands in Falmouth in Cornwall. <laughs> this is a true story. Uh, and married a Cornish girl, and we actually got to perform it in the very church they got married in, in Falmouth, and there's a plaque here. Um, his, his burial stone is, is very much in Truro, uh, where he taught. And So, you know, a lot of our stuff was always, we loved this idea of true stories. And the response we were getting in Cornwall was so exciting. It was yeah. a really exciting time, because people were going, this is great. And the language that um, Alan always wrote in was this really incredible dialect, which, you know, uh, it's hard really to explain, but I suppose it's just that thing that there's a difference, because obviously everyone knows the kind of southwest or Cornish accent. Yeah. But there's there's that. And obviously we know there is a Cornish language, which we did have elements of yeah. as well. But there's also those isms, you know, those kind of <laughs> Cornish, those things and dialect that he did. And we called them Kent Kentyisms because he was very clever and actually it became his own sort of almost his own language, his own language his own code. which is great because he had some. Uh, I mean, I remember actually one we created together for the giant was Noest Way, which is really lovely because how contemporary that was. But it was just suddenly instead of just saying no way. It's like no est where, <laughs> which was ridiculous, but like it kind of it was revis it came back and forth and, but anyway, it was, it was actually the next show that we did, which was the kind of real, kind of amazing um, moment was we did a thing called Surfing Tommies, yeah. 
which was about First World War Cornish miners and the first surfers of Cornwall. John, was John involved? Yeah, and, and that was when, so we, we then got, oh, and actually, I got John involved on Tim Violin, actually, it was the first oh, yeah. time. So, yeah, John Hogarth, who again... No, I spoke only... to him last week. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. And and John, obviously, was a, well, was, was, for me, another sort of figure that I found, I've always found massively inspiring and... Was at NYT, was a member himself, directed shows, and then was artistic director, as we both know. And so it was great when John agreed, yeah, I sort of quite like it and I like the idea. And he ended up getting involved in three or four. Yeah, Yeah, and he was brilliant. And actually bringing him to Cornwall, it's it's sometimes not easy when you bring a new face that people don't really know. Yeah. You do, but he's working with other actors and they just they just absolutely loved him, do you know what I mean? And they, they they were just they were just like Who's this? Who's this god? You know, who's this guy? But that. But I think what we realised, and also I have to say, because Alan's writing was very good, and John always said he writes a very good yarn, you know, like a good story. Yeah. But actually, it always needed a lot of chopping and changing. And John was always very good at that. He's always a very yeah. good dramaturg of kind of filtering it out, and also being again really playful. And he was always eager to go, "What can we do? Simplicity, you know, sim- like in a simple way. How can we use this set? And we, I, I know you haven't got much money, Dean. So, what's the deal? And so we had a great time. But what we did realize with that show that it went that well that we were like, okay this at some point probably needs to come back and when John started working with us again and he got involved in the next show which was called A Mere Interlude and that's when we first worked at the Minac Theatre actually and we've had a, a residency in a, a kind of spot there now for the past five, six years Yeah, we realised that our relationship was really strong and at that point him himself and the director who we've both worked with, Rhea Parry yeah. created Iron Shoes I spoke to her as well Did you? Brilliant podcast, yeah. and, uh, and, and at that point both of us sort of well, all three of us, I think, put our heads together and went, well, actually, Surfing Tommy's went really well. How do we feel about giving it another life and actually, you know, do a national tour? So this was a massive step up from suddenly doing venues in Cornwall and, and, and that kind of thing. And we had only got minor funding applications at that point. So away we went, and it became a co-production with Iron Shoes. Um and John and Rhea were fantastic, um, and we got the, all the funding we needed, and we toured it. I mean, we you know we went up right up as far as sort of Newcastle, right across Wales, London, so cool, Leeds, man. and we had real fun, yeah. you know. And and the show got really well received. And considering it was something that was rooted in Cornwall, actually, I think when it comes to something like First World War, it's kind of for everybody, you know, like yeah, everybody yeah. can kind of, of as, uh, we all know pretty much in some way or, or another, everybody will have a connection to it. You know, it might not even be that it's a direct family, but I guarantee along the line, there's somebody you ever know close to your family. So anyway, that really did connect and resonate with people. And um, so then we, you know, from that decided we wanted to do the Tim violin, bring that back and do a national tour. That's we went, hang on a minute. This work hasn't been seen by enough people. So anyway, cut long story short, we kind of did that and, and, and these shows had gone down well and we'd done these national tours. And then sadly, and I won't go into the full detail of it because that's another hour-long story, yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, sadly me and Alan, the writer, had a few things we didn't really sort of see eye to eye on. Yeah. Um, for lots of different reasons yeah. and, and kind of pieces maybe he wanted to do. And again, sadly, one of the things we were talking about earlier is, you know, we've always struggled with his funding and trying to get those things. And I think that, Came quite tough, yeah. Um, and so we decided to call it a day, really, with a bish bash bosh thing. Um, 
um, because he wanted to go off in his own way and create his own work, and I, and I kind of wanted to continue doing stuff, but I just felt like he was very set in his ways. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I, I suppose that's one of the thing. One of the is usually what I ask people is what was your yeah. biggest obstacle when you started this thing? Or yeah. Like, um. So you know these things happen, but I suppose it's less of a stop or like a, a quitting. Of yeah. whatever it is, but more of a just a change of direction, and uh, it's it evolves into something else. It does because so, it now has. Yeah, it has, and you know, and and it is now Trebigan Productions. But as you said, those obstacles are also brilliant. You know, they're such learn that you learn so much. Yeah, and weirdly, you know, you talked about earlier about that thing of the growth within WH Smiths. Well, actually, the biggest one for me was actually when I worked for an advertising company, um, and was selling and realized I'm quite good at selling and was like earning some really good money, you know, clearing some serious cash on a weekly basis. And it was, it was like cash checks. Wow. And, but what I found from that, and it mostly, I've got to say a lot of Aussies actually, who are incredible salesmen yeah. or saleswomen, but they're very good. What I, what I picked up was their sales technique of basically turning a no to a yes by the end of a phone conversation. <laughs> It sounds really arrogant and strange, but there is some real truth to it. Where I'm going with this link to that is that when I then started to sell a theatre show and produce a tour and actually try and sell it to these theatres across the country, I'd get on the phone. They would have no idea who I was. By the end of the conversation, I would really know a lot about them. I'd know a lot about their personal life. And I would guarantee I'd get that show in. Um Obviously, I can't, not 100%. It's never, you know, quite, yeah, if it was yeah, that yeah. easy, we'd all be, you know, <laughs> yeah. millionaires and say, you know, but it was, it was, it was just a really lovely. So I, I used a technique in, in an everyday job yeah. that suddenly became so, so useful in the sense of, you know, selling a show. And, and also because I could sell something that I was so, so much more passionate about. Yeah. Because it was my baby. It was my sort of beast or, you know, our beast at the time with Alan. But then, but then, yeah, so that sort of ended, you know, and that, and that was kind of a lovely probably five, six-year stint, you know, of me and Alan and Bish Bash Bosh. But then Trebigan started, and nothing's really massively changed, to be honest, because the, yeah. the whole thing was I was always the kind of the kind of helm of it, really, in the sense of the producing side of things and uh, trying to get the funding. I mean, that's one of the biggest obstacles, and I'm sure a lot of people will be able to concur and understand you know funding is really really tough and we know a lot of companies that have lost their funding in the last year or two so it's it's a tough tough old thing but yeah the Trebigan thing I'm I'm really fortunate that I've got a lot of people that I suppose that have sort of stood by me and, and including the Minac yeah and that probably being the key to it in a way because yeah. I think if I didn't have the Minac maybe I might not be the same you know in the same place in the sense of but I suppose the whole thing of me having the theatre company, and I mentioned this, you know, to you and Kai earlier, it was like, I. It was always important to me to have something that was. First of all, that I could be involved in creatively, and it keeps my head busy. Yeah. And uh, something that I could call my own, you know, like you were saying, something that you you can kind of go. No one's. I've got no one to answer to. This is my work, and I'm really proud of it. Yeah. And even if other people aren't. I'm really proud of it. Yeah. Um, and and I hope others will be. You know that that obviously that's the yeah. hope. But then, um, so with the with the Trebigan thing now, it, nothing's changed in that sense. And yeah, to be able to have something that my friends who have families or 
you know, whether they are single or whatever situation they're in in Cornwall, but they want to live in Cornwall. They don't want to be living in London or travelling to Liverpool or doing a tour around the country. They want to work. They love performing, but they want to work in Cornwall. Well, hopefully what I've been able to leave, as others do, there's other fantastic theatre companies now in Cornwall. It's really thriving. Um, is something where they can work. And whether it's me being a part of it, obviously, ideally, when we do the Minac run, which is usually every May of each year, so we just did Cider with Rosie this year, yeah. um, and we did a new show the year before called King of the Chuffs. But it, but I know, it's always a slight strange one. Apparently people were phoning up the Minac, and if you don't know what a Cornish chuff is, which is a bird, it's like kind of the bird of Cornwall, yeah, yeah. people were phoning up going, what's this King of the Coughs? <laughs> they had no idea. So actually you realise how important a title is for a show sometimes, because yeah. audiences are like, well, what is this? But Cider with Rosie this year, again, lovely thing, an ex-NYT member, Rosanna Elliott, directed it, who's now gone into directing. Um, I sort of gave her the opportunity to sort of run with it and she absolutely smashed it Sick. smashed it out of the park she was brilliant and um, and again you know some regular performers down there that I've worked with and I was lucky enough because I was up here rehearsing I got to go and see the show I popped down and I was so proud and that was a new feeling for me because I was literally every year from the start whether it was Bish Bash Bosch or Trebigan I've always either been in it produced it or directed it but I've always been there yeah. for the run so even when I there was one year Tim Violin when it went back out because I wasn't in that original show I just produced it I was I directed it and I was there so I've always been there on the kind of run so this was a real new experience for me to sit back and go this is my company but she's done me absolutely proud some of my regular performers there as well as a couple of people she auditioned and I was it was a really lovely feeling um and obviously alongside that, we've still got, which I, um, again, I sort of briefly mentioned it, but we've got two puppet shows, um, which again, have been really have been well received. And, you know, for me, still need some work. But we kind of slapped them together. We've got some cool little puppets now. But That's great. Is that uh, a part of Trebigan as well? Yeah, absolutely. You yeah. Well, you the were link... saying earlier, you do them around schools and stuff. Is that yeah, right? well, a mixture, really. So yeah. we've, we've done theme parks, schools, theatres. We've, we've done them in all. So we've got one that's been on the base, uh, on the Beast of Bodmin Moor. That's sick. Uh, yeah, and then we did one which was actually called the Giants of Cornwall. So as, And that's actually where the name Trebigan comes from. It was yeah, I was going to say a, that. Actually. It was a mythical giant, actually, from yeah. Land's End who had incredibly long arms and used to sweep the sh ships in from the sea. And eat small children as well, apparently. <laughs> um, and also Tree in Cornish's home. So there was something about it. I, I was looking at all different names and what to come up with. And and anyway, Trebigan very much lives in that show as well. And, and obviously, as people know, Cornwall is absolutely full of m so many mythical... You know, some people really argue whether they're mythical. But, um, you know, lots of different stories of giants. And actually, it's kind of a bit of the home of the giants, really, you know. Yeah. Even that story, you know, that they did the film recently, Jack and the Giant Slayer. Yeah, yeah. That, you know, it's very much based on the Cornish story, you know, that was kind of there. And obviously they Hollywooded it and, and did yeah. what they wanted to do with it. But um, but yeah, so 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 we've got those puppet shows as well. And I've constantly got lots of other ideas. What's really tough for me now is obviously my personal work and career and, and stuff, which, you know, touch wood, is, is going... Is going okay and, and and that makes things quite busy in the sense so whereas before I think I was having more gaps where I was able to fill that and go right and now I'm going to work yeah. on the Bish Bash Bosh or the Trebigan stuff now I'm trying to 
find that time and also it just means be planning a hell of a lot earlier yeah, yeah. so you know we're already planning for next year's show now and I'm having to put in funding applications whilst rehearsing for whilst Oristaya. rehearsing for the Oristaya you know if it was, so it's, it's, it is a lot and performing measure for measure, for measure yeah <laughs> so there's a lot there is a lot going on but it's also just finding those really good people you know work with so yeah. I've got one person that's going to kind of take the helm of the kind of puppet shows oh cool which is for me is just brilliant so it's still very much Trebigans it's just the fact that she's going to because she knows she's going to create work for herself I just haven't at the moment got the time to get on the blower and sell the show and, and get those yeah. bookings in because actually people love it you know um, but it's definitely one of the best things I've ever done and I think even though maybe my my you know I'm not as full on in, in the Trebigam thing I, you know I, I'd advise anybody to, to, to get making and actually not like you're doing because actually this is quite interesting the fact of making podcasts yeah. but it's like whether making po- people now you can make films on your mobile phones for god's sake yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's fantastic so whether it's making theater whether it's writing whether it's i just think there's something brilliant about being creative and and, and actually getting off your ass not waiting for the phone to ring you know with your agent or whoever is actually going right i'm going to do something creative something might not come of it something but but find something that you can enjoy and go, yeah, do you know what I mean? and that's why I love you know that even the theatre company stuff even though maybe not my involvement's not as big as it was before it's still my baby it's still like it's a still light there. absolutely yeah. and I think I said to you before when I arrived here and we started talking before recording this was I know that's there and who knows in the next six months or a year or five years yeah. work might really dry up for me in the sense of being in London and working or or wherever that actually, you know, it very much takes me back home to Cornwall, which is now my base again, actually. But kind of, I might find that that's my, very much my focus. And I'm like, actually, this is what I want to do, you know. And it's, who knows what's around the corner, do you know what I mean? I yeah. suppose is what I'm saying. But I, it's just that fact that to have that, as you said, and you're right, actually, it's a nice way to look at it, it's sort of light that's up there that I always know is there. I still get people inquiring, you know, and some lovely inquiries from, and sometimes CVs from young actors. and Really? Yeah, and I find that really amazing because yeah, I was doing the same thing, do you know what I mean, of yeah. trying to, you know, just writing off to people that were, whether you, you're, that you're from Cornwall or something that's local, you like what they've done. Or, yeah. It's great. It's a really nice thing. It's really cool. Um, your uh, biggest piece of advice to a young actor, you, you have just said it, basically, but... No, no, I think I've, I've got more, Lou. Hit me. <laughs> Hit me. What's your biggest no, piece of you, advice you, for no, a young you... actor? So, like, finishing secondary school, like, that position where you were about maybe going to do uh, graphic design or uh, PE teacher or acting, like, when you're... Yeah. Pe- people are at that stage, what... Tell them something. Uh, yeah, it's, I'll, t- I'll tell you what... Yeah, yeah no, I'll, tr- I'll try. I'll tell you what I will say. What's really hard, it's hard to just be to do it in a very short sentence. I'm sure there's people that can sum up very quickly I suppose yeah. what I would say is if you want it go out and grab it yeah. secondly I've realised this even more now as a as a 32 year old guy put the work in yeah. do you know what I mean like uh, I'm realising more and more about preparation you know whatever you're working on if you're working on a speech know the play know your story know the character you know know all the ins and outs I mean I, I'm having to because I, I think in the past I'm a very laid back guy but you know similar to yourself Lou, do you know what I mean and we're, we're I've always been quite relaxed. So I think they're really, really important. The other one that's massive to me, and I know this isn't the easiest thing, is well, there's two things, actually. I, I sort of use them as, as confidence. is just mega. And, and actually, 
confidence in what you do, not just in you know, like not, I'm just, not just being like real life, just being a confident. Yeah, it's yeah. not about that because actually, not everybody is yeah. outwardly confident. But being confident about what you you know that you want to do and what you're good at. But also, for me, the biggest one, and that's why I mentioned very early on about Ed Wilson and about working in a company and not yeah. necessarily being the best actor, is being positive, man. Yeah, like, man. Having a good time. Do you know what? We're so lucky with this kind of job and what we get to do, and I think people forget that. Yeah. And actually, sometimes even I have to pinch myself. Do you know what I mean? It's like we're rehearsing the oral style at the moment. I'm not going to lie. It's quite heavy and quite tough, and there are times when I'm like, oh, you know, I want to go back and do a measure show because we're having a real laugh and it's a comedy yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's light-hearted. And... But actually, we're really fortunate with the job we do. And if you get the chance to do this job... But, you know, being positive, being prepared to work, you know, don't think it's just a walk in the park. You know, like, everybody I know, a lot of my mates, they've all had to do jobs, they've all had to do... You've just got to be prepared for all the knockbacks, all the setbacks. Yeah. And 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 be and be as positive and kind of like bang. Yeah. This is what I'm going to do, but also I'm prepared that if the phone doesn't go for a few months, be creative. You know, like we just talked just about. Do you know, something. do do something. Yeah, you know, yeah. go with your mates. Make, put a theatre show on in a fringe space. You know, make a podcast, make a film, or write something. You know, there's there's so many things, but just keep your head busy. I suppose is what I'm saying. Yeah. Don't sit around pondering. Don't allow your brain to go, I'm going to overanalyze this and think this and yeah. and worry about it, you know. Um, and I'm sure good things will come. And, you know, for obviously for the younger, younger actors, obviously National Youth Theatre, I absolutely advise. And for people that are just past that point, you know, just the fact that I didn't go to drama school doesn't mean anything. You know, I think drama school is fantastic and I want to make that clear, um, as is university um, or any kind of route that people take. But I think that, You'll know, do you know what I mean? You'll know if the route is right. And I know people that have done, gone the full thing of going university and drama school, yeah, post grad, yeah. whatever you know. So everyone has their own sort of avenue and kind of route through it. But it's just for me, it's just about enjoying yourself. Do you know what I mean, having a good time, it's the best way, isn't it? Yeah, man, that's it. Do you know what I mean? That's what it's about. You've got to be happy. I know what you mean, dude. How long have I talked for? We've been talking, you have been talking, <laughs> for one hour and 22 minutes. Jesus, that is impressive, right? It is. Does that mean you've got to cut it down? Uh, no, I don't think so. Like, I'm not sure what the rules are, uh, but I'm, I mean... Boo to the rules. Yeah, boo. I'm just going to put it Jeez, out. Anyway, I, I talked long. This would be like a big special. Yeah. <laughs> George, I love that. Why is it a big special? Because it's long. God, is it because I'm 22 stone well, of sheer muscle? <laughs> Is that, is that what it is? Well, that's not. I mean, that was another thing that oh, I was yeah. hoping to talk to you yeah. a little bit about. I mean, let, let's uh, let's if we can get this in roughly ten minutes, mm. it'll be an hour and a half, and that's a fairly round cool, number, man. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm I'm good. I've got yeah. my artichoke, salmon, and still, hummus. It's amazing. Still going. Still going. It links quite well into what we're about to talk about. It does. Um, you don't even need me. Why don't you just go? <laughs> No, go on, ask me a question. I feel like... I no, feel it was like great, I, man. I, oh, I'm I feel so like I've been a bad um, interviewer. No, you haven't. Because it's I, just, I, I haven't been directing it, because I just get entranced <laughs> by your wisdom. My beard. Is yeah, it my well, beard? yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. When, right. When I first met you... Yes. Yeah. Well, actually, not, not when I first met you, but when I... When we, we worked f- together. When we first worked together, mm. um, we did The Winter's Tale. We did. Uh, uh, reimagined. With Regent Spark open air theatre, yeah. <laughs> Rhea Parry, who was <laughs> yeah maybe last week's guest. Oh, I love it. Um, and you were a big dude. Well, uh, I mean, it, I abs- mean you, you are a big dude. Yeah, I'm a big dude. I was bigger. I was 29 stone. Yeah. Um, and actually, 
that's mad because actually you saying that and again for people that are listening it's like we we didn't sort of pre-plan to talk about this but actually the yeah. link of that is incredible because it was that summer yeah when we did that show and i mean wasn't it Lou? it was so hot i mean oh there was days and we were doing these morning shows and after i mean it was great fun but it was brilliant it was so hot that even you and you're a very slight you know, ripped man. Ripped. Well, yeah, I was trying to help you out there, but oh, you know, <laughs> like we were all we we were all coming off, weren't we? Because yeah. we had these outfits. It was it was the hot. soles was... of our shoes were melting. Yes, yeah. I even forgot about that. Yeah, they absolutely were melting. And anyway, I think that was the turning point for me. And the reason I say that is like, I I've always been this guy that jumps around like a nutcase and physically loves, like you were saying, and actually perfect time to bring it up again, you know, that show, The Splits, was in. Ah, yeah, The you Splits. You know, Rhea was like, we're getting that in, yeah, bang. Um, but it was like, I was still doing those things at that size, and actually, it was at that point that summer where, and actually it was, because I remember talking to the rest of the company and you guys saying, yeah. do you know what, I think I'm going to go out to Cornwall, I'm going to get a personal trainer, and I'm really going to go for this. And everyone, like all you guys, were really supportive. But I think, like a lot of the times over the years, no one had ever really kind of questioned my size, really. And because I, again, like I've always been quite an extrovert, confident, you know. Yeah. It's kind of I've never I've never had a need to. I never felt the only times I probably felt ever felt awkward or started to feel more awkward certainly at that point was that I was getting to a point where like literally my clothes were like four or five XL and I thought hello <laughs> Giacomo's the only site I can get my clothes from and the big man shop or what's the other one called Mighty Man big or whatever. and tall big and tall that's it yeah. uh, tall, is it tall big and t- it is big and tall is it it's one tall? of those in Plymouth there is that's it uh, no tall and mighty tall and mighty I think it's tall and mighty that's um, it. and uh I just thought, actually, this is all good. And also getting on buses, tubes, trains, uh, planes. I mean, the whole lot. No one wanted to sit next to you because, you you know, my ass cheeks were taking up a lot of room. And obviously I was uncomfortable. And I think I just got to that point that summer and I was sweating it out. And I just thought, and I started to feel uncomfortable and get aches. I wasn't enjoying walking. I was a big drinker, you know. And I wouldn't say it was out of hand. So when it was never wake up in the morning kind of you know and want a drink it was just every night i would put away a minimum of two bottles of wine if not three jesus and then if i had gin i'd sometimes do a bottle of gin you know piece of piss oh yeah yeah i wouldn't even be that massively drunk you know but then i was smoking a lot of cigarettes and i've always liked my healthy food but i was just munching at different hours different times and munching lots of crap as well as the good yeah 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 and I think so. I got to that point where it's just like this is pretty big. I need to do you know I need to do something about it. And something clicked. I went back to Cornwall after we'd done that show. Luckily, found a personal trainer who was and weirdly had my namesake. He's actually called Tristan Nolan, which is mad. We're not related. It he's really half Samoan. Yeah, he's half Samoan. He was an ex rugby player, an incredible guy. You know, really changed my life. And basically, we just started on a bit of a journey. Uh, what What was mad was that. I mean, you know, we were really strict at the start. Um, but what was great was he said, look, I'm not a nutritionist, but I'm just going to set you on a really good diet. And actually, you're, you're going to eat well. It's just not a lot. Matt, well, so he says not a lot. I mean, I was eating, you know, I'd eat egg whites in the morning. I'd have an orange. Green tea is the way forward, by the way. Green tea is amazing. Really good for you. And uh, <laughs> I, I could go into a whole different <laughs> podcast about healthy eating and stuff. But We'll do another uh, one. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like we... 
but he got me all these different things. I was having a healthy lunch, you know, tuna salad, or actually for a while it very much was a tuna salad and tuna steak if I could get it, and I, I and I had a few more quid on me. Um, and then in the evening it was uh, you know steam veg and 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 steamed chicken or salmon, you know, and that was kind of my regime. And I'd do three times a week with him, and it was hard. People get it confused with a lot of exercise. People think they got to be in the gym for hours. You know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's an absolute. It's wrong. You, you you want to do intensive training, you know, and we'd usually work between thirty to forty five minutes tops, um, but really intensively. I mean, don't get me wrong; those first few sessions, I nearly killed over. Yeah. So I think I always had a fast impact uh, kind of stamina. So I was doing these theatre shows, and that was fine. But actually, when I started trying to do all this other stuff, I was even just we went power walking, and it was beautiful because it was in the summer in Cornwall. That's cool. And but I, I was out. I was hit, you know, it was just really it was hard. Yeah. And so, yeah, and, that, and I went on that journey. And my big thing was as well was that I quit drinking in the week. But I made the thing to him. I said, look, I can't just go cold turkey on drinking. Uh, and I do like a ciggy when I have a drink. So I said, on a Saturday, that's my night. I'll carry on eating-wise. I'll be really good. But and I'm not going to drink beer. I, I, I like my gin and tonics. And he wouldn't have it, first of all. And I thought, oh, I like, really? Yeah, but I was pleased with that because I thought, I yeah. like this guy. This is a guy I've, I've, I'm paying money to basically sort my life out. And actually, but in the end of it, he kind of went, okay, I agree to it, but you've got to be really strict and, you know, we'll check out on the results. And I really was strict, you know, and, and I did my training with him. I found Zumba. I used to do Zumba with the women. Yeah. I used to love it. It was like me and 35 women in Cornwall. I still go back to and do their classes, which is a brilliant workout. I was chucking in all sorts. I played squash with my mates, five-side football, um, anything else, any other activities I could get in there, I would. I did some spin classes with my sister. Um and I'll chuck them in, and lo and behold, the weight was just shedding off me, man. It yeah. was just coming off. You know, I was drinking lots and lots more water. I mean, even now, I'm still like I drink about four liters of water a day. I was like smashing through the water, uh, yeah, herbal tea, and just eating really well and training, and sort of grew to love it. Do you know what I mean? I sort yeah. of got a real kick out of it, it's and and, and, right? and yeah, and, and was really lucky that I lost my my best because I'm actually not currently at my best but I I actually lost s- about 7 stone in 6 months that is incredible which was and, mad yeah i mean i i remember the first time i saw you after the winter's tale because you went down to cornwall and, yeah. um and i was floating around <laughs> <laughs> and uh we went to go and or was it did we go together to see we we, I, we went to go and see kez who is also in that was uh, yeah in the winter's tale but she was doing a play called midnight Mid- Mid- oh uh god oh, that's bad. Do you know what i tried to do this the other day with somebody yeah it, it was um really bizarre play midnight madness or something i say like Oh yeah, I can't think anyway, for the life of me. It I'll, was a very, it yeah. was yeah, it was a kind of mad, yeah, yeah. But we anyway, were out there, didn't we? And that was yeah. the first time you'd seen me. I didn't recognise you. Yeah, I I thought I I sat and watched you for about ten minutes because you were sat with some people on a bench, and I was sat in the distance on my own um, at that point smoking a cigarette, and uh, that was it. Yeah, you yeah and I was over. looking and I was like, is that Dean? Like, I, I can't. I, I'm sure it's not. Yeah. And then I did come over, and I was like, "Holy shit, it's Dean!" I know, and half half a man. Well, it yeah. I mean, look, I'm still I'm still like 22 plus, nearly 23 stone now, so I'm still a big big guy. Yeah. But um, it's been brilliant, you know. Like in the sense of the fittest and healthiest I've ever felt. I'm still training now. Yeah. Uh, I'm on a bit of a fix at the moment where I'm sort of trying because I think I, I, what was really interesting was I lost all that weight. 
And obviously because of theatre shows and stuff and because your schedules become different, I suppose what I was intrigued most about was to see if it was sustainable. Yeah. Because I know a lot of people have lost a lot of weight. And also some people would even say, oh, it's a bit dangerous you've lost that weight so quickly. But it's like, it's not really dangerous when I'm 29 stone. I needed to shift it. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and I suppose my biggest thing about it was is being able to see that happen. And, and also I went for about eight or 10 months or even longer. And actually probably up and down of half a stone either way, I was able to sort of sustain it, you know. And obviously yeah. that still meant me... I, I, my, my lifestyle's changed you know, since the way I eat I mean I don't eat a lot of carbohydrate I eat a lot of protein uh, I drink a lot of water I drink a lot of herbal tea I am trying something at the moment this herbal life uh, gear but that's something different so now I'm in a, a sort of I'm calling this kind of phase two which is kind of like because I, I, I'm a big guy and actually linking it back to the acting thing uh, two things really yeah. I, I mentioned this to everybody is, is first of all I think how important it is to be fit and healthy just think it's really really important and don't get me wrong that doesn't mean we can't have our fun and vices and things yeah, we do yeah. but it's just being aware that actually it's a really good thing to have in your locker and the kind of stamina for certain shows that you may do uh, and certain projects you know just to have that and I think it's really good you know you just realise that it creeps up on you you know what I mean and you think actually I want I want to you know I hope one day I'll be a dad and I want to be able to yeah. play with my kids and be fit and healthy and and whatnot, but for me now, I've got to be careful for casting reasons. Obviously, losing too much weight, suddenly I go in a completely different category. Yeah. And what's been incredible is I've lost six, seven stone, and actually, it's the busiest I've ever been in my whole life. Yeah. Now, again, it's like you were saying about this positive m- mindset and, and 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 creating your own work and whatnot. I believe that some of that is to do with that. It's like actually, I didn't. And weirdly, I'm still in the same casting bracket. I'm just not as big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm fitter and healthier. Which is so win-win. it's like win-win. Um, my idea now is, as I was mentioning the herbal thing, is that thing of just I would, I'd, I'd like to be able to bulk up a little bit, so to build some yeah. more muscle, also that I can lose some more weight. That means I'm still a big fella, but I'm a bit more of a unit rather than just going, oh, check out old chubbies here. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. No one's ever called me chubbies, so I don't even know why I've just used that of all the things. One, one of the actresses actually. Well, a spy monkey called Petra Massey who's an incredible performer yeah. she literally is the only person that can get away of calling me fatty like, she literally just to my face but that, that's oh. her banner and I love it and I love her but um, you know it's it's for me it's been a massive massive thing and I think um, I've always said actually and like what's been amazing is whether it be actors whether it be friends or people that are struggling with weight or, or want to build muscle, the amount of people that have got in touch with me to kind of go, hey, you know what you've done or what you're using or you know what kind of exercises or you know working with a PT, what was that like or what are you eating? It's been fascinating, you yeah. know, like really has. And now, I mean, like I eat like a god. You know, what I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. It does cost. It does cost a lot more. A lot of people know yeah. that they eat well. Yeah, yeah. To eat well means you've got to spend a bit more money. But do you know what? I'd much prefer to do that than some of the crap I used to put in my system. And don't get me wrong, every now and again, I love a McDonald's breakfast, <laughs> I love a pizza now and again, I love a KFC. But it'll be like, you know, maybe once a month or once every three months, you know, whatever. I don't need to do it every week or I don't need to do it every day even because I know we've all been guilty of that in the past, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you know, it's like, I can't remember the last time I had a kebab, you know. Don't get me wrong, I'll have one soon, I'm sure. But it's like, that's what's lovely. And then that time when I do have a McDonald's or a kebab or a ke- Oh, you enjoy it so much more when you haven't had it for so but long. And don't you? And then you hate it way yes. more afterwards. Well, that's as well. that's fascinating. Is the guilt? Yeah. I mean, the, the the guilt the guilt thing is an incredible thing because actually, which we haven't mentioned, and me getting in a zone and actually being able to be so strict and losing the weight and being so good on the booze and food and everything, it's all psychological. Yeah. 
like everything is in life, man, yeah. right? It all is. We all know it. But it's like I had to I had to reprogram something in the brain that said this is the way you're going to live your life now. But you're so right because then what happens is so it's fantastic. So that that gear shift changed. I did it. Brilliant. And actually, my dad was one of my biggest doubters, and that drove me on a bit as well, which was great. And it's, it's a willpower, but. Yeah, your brain has to set. So then I remember nights when I had had a naughty treat or, or you know, you might have been at a party and and literally the only food that they've got is a, is a pasty or is just sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm not eating bread at the moment. And sometimes I've ripped the fillings out of bread. And <laughs> I mean, I still do it now. Like I'll go out sometimes. So, you know, you'll be at a gig or at a, a sporting event and they, all they've got is burgers. I'll literally just eat the burger yeah, yeah, yeah. and the salad and take, you know, go, anyone want my bun or just throw it in the bin? <laughs> Um, but you're right. The, the 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 guilt trips. I mean, I still get those. Yeah. You know, I did it recently where but I went. You know, what, what I mean is as well. Like when you like the other day, I I had a McDonald's for the first time in <laughs> ages. Yeah, like eight yeah. months and months. And yeah. and straight afterwards, I could feel my body going, Nah, that that's not cool, man. Yeah, get, get that shit away from me because well, we've been good. We yeah, we've been good together. Do you know yeah. what I mean? And that's what it is. I actually think like that's the thing it's about understanding it is weird it feels like such a different chat now it's about yeah, understanding the body yeah, like. shit, uh, but, but it's true it is true that um, there is there is definitely something to be said and also to listen to it and actually there's nothing wrong with that because as you said so your body's gone but it, you know what I question is is it your body saying that or is it your brain is going it, your guilt, yeah. it knows it knows because actually I like the fact I still get these guilt so I'll wake up the next day and I'll be like oh why did I get really drunk and why did I I might have had a couple of pints of beer and I don't really use drink beer or oh you know I had a you know a, a pizza on the way home why did I do that usually I'll go and cook up some chicken or yeah, yeah. I'll find a kebab house and have a shish kebab rather than <laughs> donner you know it's like you find all these different options of like help or what you think is healthy and but i think like at the end of the day it's like you can't deprive yourself of everything and that's what i definitely found and i did from the outset and people think oh no healthy food you don't get for me it's the best foods like you you know i don't care what anyone says you know all right as i said don't get me wrong every now and again having a naughty thing but oh man you know i've sat here tonight like you know i I came here and i've had all my little nibbles i've got smoked salmon artichokes hummus you know different selection of italian hams avocado tomato. he has been going at it here. do you know what i mean it's yeah. impressive right it is very you know but it's like that thing this week i have hit it hard i mean I've, i'm tomorrow's day five of i've done every day at the gym which i don't advise actually yeah. you know, usually i'd always advise for me personally rest. if i was is absolutely have a rest in between each day because i used to do three times a week so i would do like a monday wednesday friday yeah but i wanted to try it this week i wanted to see how my body would deal with it and want to see what the results will be tomorrow so um yeah look out for those stay tuned stay tuned <laughs> um dean uh thanks so much i i want to go over something that some that um you were talking about yeah. earlier um that ed said to you yeah yeah uh is well basically it's just that and like i've worked in a room with you once and mm. you 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 do add this this amazing uh vibe and it is creativity and and fun and a sense of play mm. um and not taking this whole thing so seriously <laughs> yeah. which has enabled you to like just fly and i know i've spoken to people who i didn't know knew you and you know and then the the MIT thing comes up and 
and then I, I, something else comes up and I'll be like, oh, you know Dean? And they're like, Dean, you know Dean? All the, everyone, literally everyone I've met from National Youth Theatre is like, you know Dean Nolan? It's like, yeah, 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 oh, Dean's great. It is. And you have such an impact on people. Oh, yeah, um, that's, that's mental, that's crazy. Yeah, which but it's brilliant. And um, and you've got Trebigan and, you know, we'll do another another one of these interviews when I'm better at doing this and... and oh, mate, and you know, And I'll... We I can learn to focus on on yeah, things. Yeah. But I just love hearing you talk, and I think the whole idea of this podcast is to inspire people. And do you know what? Regardless of what I was going to ask you, or you know, focusing on the theatre company, you're an inspiring dude. Oh, thanks. And man. Uh, and anyone listening to this is is going to get up off their ass and do something now. Oh, well, um, yeah, I hope so. And good for you, man, doing this. Yeah. I mean, I think it's brilliant, and I really genuinely mean that. Yeah, really is. Cool. Should we? Snog now. <laughs> so we just keep it running and see what happens? <laughs> Jesus, let's just, let's just have a cheeky little snog. Oh, Jesus. No, we can't, we, um, we can't do that, really. We can't. No. I'll turn it off first. But can I just say how lovely your boat is, by the way? Oh, thank you very much. So it's my first time on the boat. Come on. I oh, know, it's been a while. I love it. It's good, though, the podcast on the boat. Have you sure, got, yeah. Is there an actual name for it? Boatcast. Yeah, it's called Acting Inspired. <laughs> It is. No, genuinely. I know. I did know that actually. Sorry, I was just oh, getting right, you to start. No, but I just kind of yeah. But oh, I, for the boat. You for mean? the boat. The fact that it's on the boat. Oh no. Oh, I like the fact that it's on the boat though. I think this is a very cool thing. I tried to to do I that. I think it's a really good idea. The only one I haven't done on the boat oh, is. Oh, here we go. Rhea Parry. Yeah. Knew it. She Bloody She wouldn't come on your boat. Babies and all that <laughs> kind of She's stuff. Not coming on here. I did Rhea and John together. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, nice. Hang on, let me turn this off. We'll carry on. All right. Cheers, um, man. Thank you very much, Dean. Yeah, nice one. Cheers, Luke. Big love. Wow. Epic. That was awesome. I had a great time. I had a great time uh, speaking with Dean, and it, I I was a bit worried before listening back to it that it that I didn't necessarily cover everything that I wanted to but I think everything about everything that he said was massively inspiring which is obviously the idea we talked about national youth theatre going to college um struggling with auditions for drama school making sure you're going to the right drama school if that's something you uh, are aiming to do um we talked about his fitness um which is a huge thing for Dean he's done so well in that uh, area and we talked about Trebigan, which was Bish Bash Bosh, and the how his theatre company was born and how it changed and became something else and how he still runs that whilst being a very successful actor at the moment. Um, everything he said was great advice to actors and it was just amazing and such a pleasure to, to talk to him. I did blow smoke right up his ass for a bit at the end there. Sorry about that. I was I was pretty overwhelmed with the uh, inspiration. Um, yeah, he's a great dude. Go over and follow Dean at Dean O Nolan on Twitter, and check out www.tribiganproductions.com. That's where you can find all his uh, theatre company stuff down in Cornwall. And go and see Dean in the Oristaya at the Globe, which is from the 29th of August to the 16th of October. Um, and then you can also see him in Measure for Measure at the Globe, which is on from the 8th of September to the 17th of October. Have fun. I, I, I have nothing else to say. That was awesome. So inspiring. Great chat. Thank you lot again so much for listening. Um, I'm 
so proud of this and so happy that that people are enjoying it um the people i've spoke to who have heard it uh, uh uh tell me that they they love it so that's great thank you so much guys see you next week bye whatever may come take a trip on the canal if you want to have fun With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.